Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blayton Homers and Podcast, part of Sooner Sports Radio on the V-Sporto Network. Oklahoma has Kansas coming to town this week, so I actually figured this would be a good opportunity to check in with our buddy Josh McQuistian from uh, Soonerscoop.com to uh, get uh, a little bit of uh, you know kind of an update on how things are going and recruiting for the Sooners right now. Uh, so let's uh, go ahead. Welcome on, Josh. What's up, man? Alan, I'm just not sure what you mean that this is Kansas week, so it's time to talk recruiting. I, I can't. I can't put the pieces together. Well, don't, don't take it as a slight to you, man. <laughs> don't take it as a slight slight to you at not all. Not at all. Uh, you know, then again, hey, you know, the Jayhawks have shown a little bit of life lately, so you never know. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Sooners are a 40-point favorite and whatnot, uh, so uh, I think that uh, everybody's expecting them to roll. But, you know, the big story around Norman uh, and, you know, kind of uh, even getting a lot of run nationally has been – uh, kind of the uh, cratering of Oklahoma's defense uh, that that showed up uh, last weekend uh, versus Texas Tech, and you know it, it, there are things that you know there are things that go wrong in the middle of the game. You look at that are, are scheme issues. Then there are but there are also kind of you know obviously there can be personnel problems at times. And one of the things that I think uh, is interesting, and, and, and you're a guy who follows kind of the composition of Oklahoma's roster and everything uh, more than anyone, but, you know, I, I think that I counted that OU was really carrying something like 73 scholarship players into that game uh, last weekend or something like that. And it's one. this is one thing that I've kind of, I've, you know, I think if, if Bob Stoops has kind of fallen short, uh, you know, late, lately here in his tenure, it's been this kind of just overall roster management. I mean, you know, not not using 12 scholarships, I don't know if that's normal or not, but, I mean, it, it just seems like it's such a kind of wasted opportunity, you know, or at least just not, not necessarily doing a great job of, of necessarily managing your personnel and your resources there. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, I've got the current numbers at 74 uh, current scholarship guys on the roster that are partaking, well, I guess you could say that are active on the football team. But, I mean, you know, you, you obviously you got guys like Charles Walker and Matt Diamond, that sort of thing. But you're right. I mean, 11 out of 85, you, you're talking, you know, almost 10% of your team. Like that are, uh, you know, 8 9%. That's a big deal. That That's not nothing. So – I actually, now that I, I sit here doing the numbers quickly in my head, it's a little over 10%. Yeah, it's over 10%, yeah. So, yeah. you know, th- that's that's not, you know, you look at it from a um, from a basketball perspective, that's that's them playing two men down on a 15-man roster in college basketball. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but it's a very big deal in a numbers game like football where you know you're going to have attrition, you know you're going to have guys that are going to get lost. And it's not just about Saturdays, you know, in the fall – it's about being able to put bodies out there to practice yes. through the week, you know, ma- making sure you've got numbers. You've got quarterbacks who can who can keep Baker Mayfield from having to throw 800 times a week. You know, it's not just him throwing in the game. So I think people lose sight of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I there are I, I 
it's been one of those things you kind of keep waiting for Oklahoma to address it. Now, I do think in the 2017 class, the way they're looking, I think they're going to sign a big class. I think they're going to sign a really good class on top of that. So I think there is some sign of, okay, we can address this, we can move forward. I think at times Oklahoma has kind of been caught between a rock and a hard place. Do we take a guy who's basically going to get us to the numbers we need to be at, or do we wait maybe for next year and we can sign maybe a better player that can really help us? So that that's always – and I admit, that that's a tough balance, and I can kind of understand where they come from on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that part, that part, I, I guess I can't fault them for. You know, I mean, you don't want to have someone on your roster who's really just there to to fill that spot. You know, you you want to have someone who's going to be able to compete and contribute. And um, you know, but it kind of goes back to you know some of the stuff. You know, for example, you look at like last week, and I mean, Jordan Evans obviously was not his uh, was not his best night by any stretch. But you know, then you know. You, you talk to, to other people and they're like, well, you know, they need to get Evans out of there, you know, put somebody else in. And I'm thinking to myself, like, well, I mean, who? I mean, they don't really I – mean, they've got, I think, what, three scholarship players uh, at inside linebacker at this point right now? I mean, with Tay Evans retiring uh, and McGinnis, Arthur McGinnis moving to, to defensive end, I mean – you know, it's just kind of – I mean, in a certain sense, they're just so thin in some spots. Yeah, and I think, you know, now there's actually four, but, I mean, one of them is John Michael Terry, who yeah, it's clear they yeah. want a red shirt. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, among active players, they've got three scholarship guys. So, if you bench Jordan Evans, you're putting Curtis Bolton in, and I, that's fine if, if that's where, you know, you see that going. And I think Bolton showed some flashes of good yeah, things yeah. Uh, against Texas Tech. But at the same time, uh, you know, when you look at this team, a lot of the problems, I, you know, I, I don't think you can overstate, especially defensively, the losses of Dominique Alexander, Eric Stryker, uh, Charles Tapper. You go down that list, and it's not just about those guys were good players, which they clearly were, but those guys were leaders. And you see, like, stuff that was happening against Texas Tech – you need that guy that's going to pull everybody together on the sideline. Coaches, get the hell out of here. We're going to have a talk, and man-to-man, we're going to figure this out. Because that wasn't that wasn't a talent issue. That wasn't a, at least not entirely a scheme issue. There was some questionable, and I don't want to say effort. I never buy into guys at that level of football are not playing hard, especially at a place like Oklahoma. Those kids are good players. They have pride. You know, like, I, I I don't buy any of that stuff. But at the same time, I think there were clearly some guys that looked disheartened about, well, here we go again. As soon as Texas Tech would complete a third down, it felt like you could see the whole energy of that, that team on the field just kind of fall. And you're right. With Evans, I don't know what choice you'd have. I think you have to play him. My question is Ahmad Thomas. I, I don't understand – why a guy like Will Sunderland can't get a look. And in a game like that, I mean, we talked about it a little on our own, on our podcast. What what is it going to hurt? What what yeah. is what is yeah. it I mean, are they going to throw another touchdown? That was happening anyway. Why yeah. wouldn't you run a guy out there and see what happens? Yeah, oh yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. And you know, I mean, I understand all the the it, it, I I mean, I'm I'm sympathetic in the sense that, you know, if Sunderland isn't practicing well, I mean, th- there are certain issues there where you know, you don't want to necessarily you you want to reward the guys who do practice well, but yeah, you know, I mean, at some point you got to kind of say, okay, we need to get somebody out here who's actually going to make a stop, 
and you know, you just it just was not happening then. Yeah, because I mean, you look down through the years, Alan. I mean, you, you follow this as long as I have. There are always these guys that it seems like Oklahoma is reluctant to put on the field, and and I, you know, like don't get me wrong, I understand you need to set a an ideal that hey, we're going to do our work in practice, we're going to learn the things we need to learn. Like I, I understand all of that, but the bottom line has to be our best eleven players, yeah. our best twenty two are going to play, and. When you see some of the behavior and some of the things you're seeing right now out of this defense, it makes you wonder if it's not just us from outside that are questioning if that's happening. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you there. I'm with you. Well, let's uh, talk about some of the guys who might be uh, kind of coming in to, uh, to make some headway with this defense. Um, you know, obviously the big news, I think since the last time we talked, has been Oklahoma signing, ironically, an inside linebacker, or pardon me, gain a commitment from an inside linebacker and uh, Jacob Phillips, who is a uh, you know top 100 type guy, who uh, you know I I would think would have a chance to come in and play or compete for time right away. No. Oh, I don't think there's any question. I think both with he and Levi Draper, there's going to be an expectation that they're going to come in and com- try to compete early on. Now, in Phillips's case, he will not be a midterm guy. Um, in Draper's case, I don't think he's going to be, but there is still some talk on his part that maybe that's what he'll do. Obviously, either guy that does that walks in with a big advantage. Um, but yeah, you know, with Phillips, you, you just can't talk about what a huge land that is for Oklahoma to go in to the SEC, into Tennessee, a place that Oklahoma has had no real success to speak of and go in there, land a premier guy that could have really gone. I mean, you look at his official visits, Alabama, Oregon, Texas A&M, um, and I believe, I don't think he used one of Tennessee. I'm forgetting somebody. Um, but, yeah, you know, bottom line is the guy had a multitude of offers, and really, and it's a guy that's been much maligned, but you have to give Tim Kish a lot of credit. He worked on Phillips from beginning to end. Now, it wasn't just him. He had help. But, the, you know, you talk to Phillips, and the guy he talks about is Tim Kish, and I think you almost wonder if, you know, Kish wanted to do something. You know, like if I'm him, I just tweet like a, a GIF of just drinking a cup of coffee. Like there, oh, he needs to do sure, something yeah. just to rub it in everyone's face and shut everybody up for a little while. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the, the questions about Kish are, are certainly legit. I mean, he's – He's Mr. Second Place for a long time, but, uh, I mean, this is, you know, one of the, you know, uh, this is a real coup for him, and, and right now, uh, in this class, I mean, you know, in a, in a in a class that's already full of standouts, I mean, it's it's the biggest one yet. Absolutely, and, and I should say, I'm not trying to absolve myself. That cup of coffee, he could he could tweet at me in the, the that would be completely fair, because I've been very, very, um, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to say hard because I feel like I'm fair, but at the same time, I, I've not hid that I think that he's had some shortcomings in recruiting for exactly what you're talking about. Kids like him. I haven't met a lot of kids that love him. Like they all yeah. like him and really think the world of him, but they haven't been. He he hasn't been able to close. And you know, at the same time that I understand people saying like, "See, we told you," you can't ignore what's yeah. happened previously. Like you have to give Kish credit for now by the same token that you can't ignore that it's been a problem before. Well, I mean, and we were just talking about it, the lack of bodies there at inside linebacker alone. I mean, you know, they, it's, it's really come back to bite them. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, and, and I guess actually while we're on the subject of Kish, uh, you know, I, I don't hear a lot about uh, any potential JUCO guys out there that they might bring in to compete for a spot there at inside linebacker. Are there are there any names out there, or is that just you know a, a route that Oklahoma is not going to go? Well, first off, Alan, I want to give you credit for not taking the low-hanging fruit and asking what the Lackawanna roster looks like <laughs> uh, this year. But no, you know, it really – I haven't heard a lot of buzz in that direction. I think mainly it's because, I mean, not just that inside linebacker, but outside, Oklahoma's in really good shape in recruiting. I mean, they've already got their three outside guys. I think as long as they hold on to Addison Gums, uh, Jakir – I'm going to try to say this right. Jakir Jek- – no, I'm gonna get that wrong. I've I've got it in one of my stories, is, so is go the, look at the stories. Is the K, and Kenneth is the K Murray silent is the case. Yeah, the K out? is silent. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, Jakai. J- oh Jekai- god, I'm gonna butcher. I, I don't want to be the show killer, so we'll <laughs> okay, keep this moving. Enough. But then you've got Phillips and Draper uh, as well, and inside. So I think really, if if it wasn't for the Tay Evans situation, Oklahoma would be done at linebacker. I think that they would have just called that a day. But with Tay retiring. They they see another need. I think they really want that guy to be Tyler Taylor. I really thought about a month ago they had a chance to turn that in their direction. But the popular belief has always been that Auburn was going to be his school. And, you know, a month ago, if a, a last-second play doesn't go in an Auburn direction, Gus Malzahn may be the guy that's fired, not Les Miles. Uh-huh. And I think OU's probably in a pretty good spot. As it is, Auburn seem, seeming to getting get things figured out, and I think Tyler Taylor probably ends up at Auburn. I think Anthony Hines probably chooses between UT and A&M. And so Oklahoma's going to have to make a move, and it might be a JUCO guy, but I haven't heard that yet, and it's not something I'm willing to write off because this is about the time of year when schools like OU start identifying JC guys. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's you know, even you know, we look at how great DD Westbrook is. It was about this time two years ago that uh, you know that Oklahoma got involved with him. So that that's kind of the thing to look at. It'll it hasn't played out, but so far I haven't heard anything. Yeah, that's that, that's a great point about Westbrook. It was, I mean, gosh, it was November, December. The, he finally showed up on the radar, and uh, thankfully he did for uh, OU fans. But you know, it's funny. You, you know, you joke about those Lackawanna kids, and you know, I mean, you know, Beal and, and Doucette, they're not superstars or anything by that stretch, but. Man, those kids play like, man, I know what it's like to have to go to Lackawanna Junior College. I'm not going back there. You know what I mean? I don't think, if you haven't been to a a junior college campus, and especially one that has a football program that pumps out guys like Lackawanna is now doing, Lackawanna is like top five in the uh, junior college rankings right now. They're, They're really starting to kind of produce talent on a regular basis. But if you haven't been to those places and been to those games, those kids, man, most of them are transplants. They are not playing. I mean, you know, even bad high school games, mom and dad are there or the cheerleaders are there or something. Man, at most major junior colleges, it's just two teams out there playing football pretty much in front of empty stands. Yeah. Like that, there is, there's a few exceptions where they actually do have a pretty decent fan following. But by and large, nobody goes to major junior college games. I, you know, I hope everybody watched. Um, what was it? The uh, about oh, the Netflix uh, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Last Chance You. Mm-hmm. That's a great look into what life is like in the junior college ranks. It really is very honest, and even I learned some things that I didn't know about. So I, I think that's a great deal for people to kind of see 
what these guys go through. But you're dead on. I mean, when you've gone to a place like that and you've toughed it out, because those kids, they don't have the academic support. I mean, you go to JUCO, you fail or you succeed on your own merit, whether it's on the field and academics, you are going to do a lot of what you do because you choose to. I mean, and, and last chance you, they had that one little academic advisor following people around. At OU, man, there's, you know, it's probably a five to one ratio. There's probably 10 of those people chasing uh-huh. people around. Yeah. So it, people just don't understand how difficult that is. And I think when those kids come out of a junior college program, they are so hungry and enjoying they, – they realize how fortunate they are to be at a place like OU or Alabama or wherever else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to finish up on the defensive side. Just one quick question. Uh, you know, Robert Barnes obviously uh, sounds like he suffered a pretty significant injury uh, over the weekend, have you have you talked to him or, or gotten any updates as to how things are looking? I have. I, I spoke to him a little bit earlier in the week, and really, you know, he's a he's a kid that it's pretty hard to knock him off his stride. You know, he kind of you could tell he was down. I mean, he not only is the kid you know injured, but he now knows that for one of the best programs in Texas, he's played his last game ever. Yeah. I mean, like that, that's that's. That's a lot for a kid to deal with at 17 or 18 years old because there's just there's not that same under you know even for you or I that would be painful but we've lived some life we've seen some other things for them that's probably the most soul crushing thing to happen in their life so far so that that's that's always tough now I guess it's nice that being injured in a football game is as bad as it's gotten for you but you know that that's a <laughs> that's yeah. a philosophical yeah, argument exactly um but you know really i and i think he's gonna be okay from what i understand it was a broken bone in his lower leg um and i you know he i believe he had surgery on sunday so i i think he they got him in pretty quick he'll start rehabbing and you know i would expect by the time he shows up in norman on you know in in the summer he he should be pretty close to go, and they you know the nice thing about it is when he arrives, if there's anything left, he's he gets to work with OU's trainers as he continues his rehab. So yeah. if he is a little slow going, he gets to work with you know top shelf people that can really help him advance his uh, rehabilitation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's move over to the other side of the ball. Um, you know, we were just talking about D.D. Westbrook, great find there in JUCO. Um, you know. It, it, it's hard to knock much about the way about this OU offense, the way that they're operating right now. But uh, I think that uh, you know so much of the receiving game, the passing game, is coming through Westbrook. Uh, I, I gotta wonder: Are there any any guys out there? Again, I guess maybe looking at a JUCO route, uh, guys who could come in and and contribute that OU's looking at. Or again, is that more something that uh, you know you don't think's really in the cards? That is, that's definitely a different situation where I hadn't, I guess I hadn't been led to believe that was going to be a situation until the Jalen Rager decommitment and got to talking to a few people. And actually Oklahoma has actually reached out to one junior college receiver, uh, Marquise Brown of, I believe, and I'm going to say this and probably be wrong, but, uh, college of the canyons, a junior college in California, Mm um, very, you watch the guy on tape, very explosive, big speed, uh, purely a slot guy, about 5'11", 175. And I've talked to him some. I think it's clear if Oklahoma wants to get serious about him, he would be very serious in return. I mean, he set up 
three official visits right now. One is to California, one is to Arizona State, and one is to West Virginia. So that kind of gives you an idea. Like those are schools that you expect Oklahoma to beat in recruiting. So that if Oklahoma wants to get in there, I think they've got a very good chance. I think he's a very natural fit. He's a great player in open space. He's actually a really good return man as well. So there's a lot of ways he can help Oklahoma. And he's actually, (laughs) interestingly enough, uh, was a full qualifier out of high school. So he's a four-for-three guy. He'll show up next summer, be able to redshirt if they want to redshirt him, or he'll he'll basically show up as a true sophomore, and OU can do what they want with him. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up uh, Rager. I mean, that was one that uh, it you know was kind of uh, in the making for a couple weeks. Uh, you know, there's a guy that uh, I, I you know his film looked great and everything. Uh, you know, so it, it feels like that one hurts. But uh, it, it just seems so weird to me that of of all the positions that you know OU you would think wouldn't have that much trouble recruiting. I got to think wide receiver would be pretty high up there given what, uh, I mean, you know, you've seen the last couple of years the way that they haven't hesitated to showcase a guy like Sterling Shepard this year, D.D. Westbrook. But, uh, you know, uh, Rager was, has been at a you know, couple of U games now on different kinds of visits and uh, whatever it was uh, he saw turned him off or what happened? You know, there are always times that I can understand where a kid's coming from. I, I look at, you know, whether he flips or whether he decides I'm going to stick with this school. and sp- You know, you can kind of make sense of what they're thinking. This one's really tough for me. Like, I, I, I understand that he wants to stay closer to home or that's, that's kind of what he's put out there. And I got the impression of talking to some people that, you know, there was some concern over catches within OU. You know, there were, were there too many receivers and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And at the same time, the same day, or I guess the next day after he commits to TCU, Omar Manning, another OU wide receiver offer from the Dallas area, commits to TCU. His buddy, Charleston Rambo, is expected to visit TCU this weekend. So, you know, you're kind of like, well, what what was this about? Like, it's, it's just tough to wrap my head around. Because he was there, you know, everybody, this all started when he chose to take an official visit to TCU the same weekend OU was playing at TCU. And everybody kind of thought, yeah, that doesn't seem great, but at the same time, he's going the weekend that OU's there. So maybe he just wants to go watch his team. It'll be cool. There's some talk that, you know, and this isn't the first time, and it's the only reason I give it credence because I've heard this sort of thing before that maybe Oklahoma wasn't all that pleased with him taking that trip. And, of, of course, they weren't, I guess, but weren't so hesitant to let him know of their displeasure, and uh-huh. that may have started things kind of a chain reaction. I. Like I said, I don't think there's any uh, – I don't think that's why. I think it's an easy excuse. I think his cousin's going to TCU, uh, his former quarterback, uh, and his head coach, you know, who is also his head coach's son, uh-huh. is uh, a walk-on quarterback at TCU. There, there are some connections there that are interesting. And, you know, I, but I will say I think you're absolutely right. This is a hit for Oklahoma. He was a guy they really wanted to build around. They wanted him to be a big part – and I think early on, which is what makes this whole thing so interesting. Like, not only are there plenty of catches available with D.D. Westbrook headed to the NFL next year, but also you're going to play with quite possibly the best returning quarterback in college football next year. Yeah. Almost certainly Baker Mayfield is returning. And with guys like Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Kaiser and all these other guys probably headed to the league, 
what better opportunity is there for a young receiver to walk in and play with a guy like that? Yeah, that that all of that. I mean, it just didn't make much sense to me. But you know, I mean, I can understand. There's there's a lot of balls to go around at TCU too. But man, uh, just uh, kind of just such a surprise. But uh, you know, I guess looking at the other positions um, there on offense, uh, any any update in terms of uh, who they're looking, uh, what kind, who they might be trying to you know kind of bring in or, or positions of need. I guess I gotta think maybe they'd like another offensive lineman. Yeah, I think right now the the plan is for certainly one more offensive tackle, and if it's the right two offensive tackles, I think they would take a second. I don't think they're locked into we've got to have two, but the two they would really like and would definitely take are Adrian Ely, the Rivals 250 offensive tackle from uh, Gonzales, Louisiana, kind of the suburbs of Baton Rouge, uh-huh. and um, Chuck Filiaga from you know Texas Powerhouse Aledo. So you've got two guys there. Afiliaga also a Rivals 250 guy, and he will be taking his official visit to OU this weekend. So he's a guy to watch. But if OU could land those two guys, they'll find spots. That that's the way that goes. I think Oklahoma is a huge leader for Adrian Ely right now. He's even gone so far as to call them the leader, but kind of said, "Oh, you know, I want to take some visits." He's talked about Tennessee, Miami, a few other places. But I think Oklahoma is going to be really tough to overcome. And the extra nice thing about him is he's a midterm graduate, so he'll be at OU or wherever in January. So that's big because kind of what we talked about, not just for, you know, he can come in and compete because he's a guy that probably needs to redshirt, but that's another body to go through spring practices. So yeah. that that's, that's always a good thing to have. And he's a young guy that gets to learn and gets that extra time, which with to me, other than quarterback, there's no position that you need more time to learn how to be good at it than offensive tackle. You, you yeah. just can't – You uh, not even offensive tackle, just offensive line. You can't simulate that stuff in high school because you're not facing guys of your similar physical yeah. ability. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's one position where iron really sharpens iron. Um, and then I guess I, I'd be remiss if I didn't finish off with kind of the big fish that uh, Oklahoma is still chasing. Uh, back. This is back to the defensive side, of course, but uh, defensive tackle Marvin Wilson – uh, you know, this is a guy that obviously is, you know, he's one of the top players in the country looking uh, looking all around. But uh, you seem more bullish on OU's chances with Wilson, I think, than most of the other kind of recruiting gurus out there. Yeah, and, you know, I, I want to be clear because I hate to set people up for, for disappointment. I wouldn't pick him to OU right now. That I think right now his head is kind of with Texas. I think that's kind of how that's going to work. But like every kid that when they kind of like a school, they're willing to ignore certain realities. And and I, Marvin's a kid I know very well. I actually going to see him play tomorrow night um, against another OU defensive line offer. But I don't know that he's kind of accepting what most of us believe, that Charlie Strong will not be the head coach at Texas next mm-hmm. year. And I think he's got a good relationship with that staff. And when that all changes – you have to. Marvin is very big on relationships. I think a very good example is when uh, Alabama fired uh, Bo, um, oh, Bo Davis. Bo Davis. Yeah. He almost instantly tweeted out, "Alabama's off my list now." Now I think he's caved on that a little bit, but I'd be very surprised if Alabama can ever make up that ground. Even all that Alabama is, as great as they are, many great defensive linemen as they put into the NFL that 
that hill, I don't know that they can climb it. Marvin's a very personable guy. He wants to know that he can trust the people that he's going to go play for. And I think when you start looking at things like that, the Bo Davis situation, Charlie Strong gets fired. Uh, a lot of people had him headed LSU for a while. I was one of them. Uh, Les Miles getting fired. When you start looking at that and look at a kid of Marvin's particular makeup, who's the one school that's involved that has a rock steady, steadfast situation with their coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, now yeah. is there's are there some things that may change? I mean, I know people are yelling at the at the <laughs> their yeah. their headphones right now. Oh no, he's getting fired. You know, like I, I and we all know who you're talking about. I mm. get it, but at the same time. The head man is what we're talking about. Bob Stoops isn't going anywhere. His job's not in jeopardy. He's not a guy that you constantly hear about looking around for other jobs, at least not anymore. So, you know, I think there's a lot there that makes sense for Marvin that people don't really take account of. And I think, like I said, when when Charlie Strong's gone, I think a lot of people are talking about Texas A&M. I've Marvin's a kid I've known since he was a freshman in high school. I have never gotten the feeling from Marvin that Texas A&M was a real thing for him. Like I, I think he likes them. I think he's fine with them. I would be very surprised if they were his option. Yeah, yeah, just that doesn't seem to come up all that often, so uh, that would make sense. Um, well, you know, kind of closing up here, Josh, but uh, you mentioned that you're actually going to see Marvin Wilson play tomorrow night. Uh, are you going to be taking uh, uh, taking in any other games or uh, just that one? It's just that one. This time of year, you start running kind of low on Thursday games. Usually, I'm a Thursday-Friday guy for sure, yeah. and that's really great in non-district because you get a lot of these – you know, schools that want to, you know, Cedar Hill's going to play Allen or something. You know, like you get these great matchups of schools that aren't going to play each other within their district. So they want to challenge themselves because they're getting ready for long, deep playoff runs. But when you get to this time of year, it's all district. And it's usually, you know, there, for example, there were several games I could have gone to tonight. But I've seen both teams. You know, at, mm. at some point, it's nice to be around your family for a little while. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, you end up staying – but no, I'm actually going to go see Marvin and Houston Episcopal. To, uh, you know, and it should be noted they also have another uh, Oklahoma offer, Jalen Waddle, the uh, 2018 wide receiver that is just pure speed. And in that in that private school league that they play in, he is unfair with how just yeah. more how much more explosive he is than everybody else. And on the flip side, I'll be watching Houston Christian, uh, who Oklahoma has made an offer to their defensive end Joshua Rogers, who's really a an interesting guy. I've never seen him in a camp setting, in a game setting. I've never seen him with my own eye. So I'm very interested to watch him, particularly because he'll go against another five-star on that Houston Episcopal team, Walker Little. So you get to see him play against a real guy rather than, well, he's just whooping up on some private school kid that can't play. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, that's yeah, always a good thing to uh, be able to take in. Well, you guys got anything else big going on at Sooner Scoop? Well, you know, obviously, you know, I guess it's kind of the same old stuff, but I will say to anybody listening, you know, this is something we've kind of harped on as of late. Go to the free, go to our site, go check it out. I I will match our stuff as far as numbers and the things you can find on the front page. I think right now, seven of our top 10 stories are free. Go take a look, see if you're interested, you know, and there's, you know, there is so much more depth that we have on our board. You know, I think we have something like 30 pin posts right now of other information that isn't on the front page, lots of other stuff to talk about, whether it's, 
you know, sit downs with Lincoln Riley post practice or stuff I'm hearing around the recruiting trail that we don't put up on the front board. So there's so much to see, but there is stuff on the front page for those that, you know, have always kind of thought about maybe joining a site. Go look on our front page. There's always something free. You can always see if it's something you're interested in. And, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm being snotty to say I, I feel like there's no one close as far as the amount of content and the quality of content. I think, you know, and I, I say that with a lot of pride. We've worked hard to be somewhere I can say that. Yeah, I mean, I say this every time that I have uh, Josh or Eddie on, but uh, they really do such a good job. The, the quality there is always top-notch and, and uh, you know, very uh, – the information, I feel like, is always super solid and that they've done – you can clearly tell uh, when they've got scoops or when they've got stories, I mean, that a lot – that they've done their homework and uh, – you know, it, it's, uh, you, you can, you can put a lot of stock in what they're saying. So anyway, well, Josh, Hey man, listen, I always appreciate it. And thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, uh, you know, it's always good to, uh, get your input on what's going on in the recruiting world. Hey, always enjoy it, Alan. You're, you're one of my favorite guys to talk to because we don't answer the same tired questions every time. <laughs> so it's a good conversation. All right. Well, that's awfully kind of you, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thanks again to our uh, guest this evening, Josh McQuistion of ZoomerScoop.com. Make sure to uh, go over there, check out uh, all the great stuff they've got there through the Rivals Network. And thank you all for joining us. For the Blatant Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.